Hello everyone, welcome to Knox Bedtime Stories. I am your friend Joey, here with another episode to help you relax, feel safe, and fall asleep. It's about 11pm here. I hope you all had a great day today, and if not, I hope I can make you feel better. Either way, we're going to get calm, relaxed, put our day behind us, and enjoy a great funny news story and story I'll be reading to you. If this is your first time here, welcome to the Knox family. I hope I'm able to bring you some calm, comfort, and a good night's sleep. From here on out, nothing exists except you, me, this beautiful fireplace, and the bed, couch, or floor you're laying on. Tonight's good news story is a funny contest they had in Scotland. They let the public name the snowplows, and they did an awesome job with the names. Then, we have tonight's story called The Elves and Their Antics which follows Stiff, an old prankster elf, and talks about the different types of elves and what they do. It's an excellent elven story based on Dutch legends, as far as I can tell. These elves live in Holland. If you've ever seen movies like Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit, you know how beautiful and intelligent elves are portrayed to be, but according to this story, there is an ugly variety too. Before I get to tonight's good news story, I want to welcome our newest Patreon patrons, Nikki Gore-Green and Liz James. Thank you so much for your generosity and kindness. It's you guys that keep the show running and the lights on here, and we're all here for each other. I get such kind and wonderful messages from you guys on Patreon. It is hands down the best community you could ask to be a part of. If you ever send me a message on there, I will reply. I care about you and you care about me. It's the best part of being a part of this podcast. If you would like to become a patron and get things like extra episodes, a thank you, your name added at knoxbedtimestories.com, you can do so at knoxbedtimestories.com and clicking on the join patreon link or patreon.com forward slash Knox Bedtime Stories. It looks like our next patron only book is going to be The Great Gatsby, but I'm also working on The Jungle Book so some good things are coming. The next person to join will be lucky number 21. Alright, let's get to tonight's good news story titled The public gave names to over 50 snowplows in Scotland, and they are hilarious. Far from the disaster that christened an English ship, Bodie McBoatface, Scotland held a public drive to name more than 50 plowing trucks, responsible for keeping the road safe for motorists, and the results are too funny. The contest was organized by Amy, a company responsible for maintaining public highways and bridges, performing inspections, and keeping the roads clear from debris and snow. Running from December 23rd to January 23rd, online submissions took puns to a new level, with many tributes to the nation's late beloved film star Sean Connery. 
Of course, they include every possible play on wintry words imaginable, and a simple GPS app allows you to see where each truck is deployed, marked with their locations with their own unique name. Hopefully, by next winter, Amy will have painted stylized images on the doors of each truck to reflect their names, the way World War II warplanes were decorated with comic book paintings in the 1940s. Check out some amusing winners. Number one, you're a blizzard, Harry. Number two, William Wall Ice. Three, Brinestone Plowboy. Number four, Spready Mercury. Five, Sled Zeppelin. Number six, Lord Coldemort. Number seven, Carrie Bradthaw. Number eight, Spready Van Halen. Number nine, Mary Queen of Salt. And ten, Salt Disney. And here are the five fun Bond themed name trucks. Number one, On Her Majesty's Slippery Surface. Two, Coldfinger. Three, Dr. Snow. Four, you only grit ice and five license to chill honestly i think they did a great job with the names but i also thought Bodie mcboatface was the best boat name ever so what do i know okay now let's get into bed say to yourself my bedroom is a place of peace and relaxation when i enter this room and crawl into bed at night Today's thoughts naturally begin to soften. My burden lightens, and sleep is coming. Let's get to tonight's story, The Elves and Their Antics, set to sleep-inducing music and this beautiful fireplace. If you're not already laying down, please do so in whatever way is comfortable. And let's begin. The Elves and Their Antics the elves are little white creatures that live between heaven and earth. They are not in the clouds, nor down in the caves and mines like the kabooters. They are bright and fair, dwelling in the air and in the world of light. The direct heat of the sun is usually too much for them, so they are not often seen during the day, except towards sunset. They love the silvery moonlight. There used to be many folks who thought that they had seen the beautiful creatures full of fun and joy, dancing hand in hand, in a circle. In these old days long since gone by, there were more people than there are now, who were sure they had many times enjoyed the sight of the elves. Some places in Holland show by their names where this kind of fairies used to live. These little creatures that looked as thin as gauze were very lively and mischievous, though they often helped honest and hard-working people in their tasks, as we shall see. But first and most of all, they were fond of fun. They loved to vex cross people and to please those who were bonny and blithe. They hated misers, but they loved the kind and generous. These little folks usually took their pleasure in the grassy meadows among the flowers and butterflies. 
On bright nights, they played among the moonbeams. There were certain times when the elves were busy, in such a way as to make men and girls think about them. Then, their tricks were generally in the stable or in the field among the cows. Sometimes in the kitchen or dairy, among the dishes or milk pans. They made an awful mess for the maids to clean up. They tumbled over the churns, upset the milk jugs, and played hoops with the round cheeses. In a bedroom, they made things look as if the pigs had run over them. When a farmer found his horse's mane twisted into knots, or two cows with their tails tied together, he said at once, that's the work of elves. If the mares did not feel well, or looked untidy, their owners were sure the elves had taken the animals out, and had been riding them all night. If a cow was sick, or fell down on the grass, it was believed that the elves had shot an arrow into its body. The inquest, held on many a dead calf or its mother, was that it died from an elf shot. They were sure of this, that even when a stone arrowhead, such as our far-off ancestors used in hunting, when they were cavemen, was picked up off the ground, it was called an elf bolt or elf arrow. Near a certain village named Elfberg or Elf Hill, because there were so many of the little people in that neighborhood, there was one very old elf named Stiff, which means stiff because, though so old, he stood up straight as a lance. Even more than the young elves, he was famous for his pranks. Sometimes he was nicknamed Hannycam or Coxcomb. He got his name because he loved to mock the roosters when they crowed early in the morning. With his red cap on, he did look like a rooster. Sometimes, he fooled the hens that heard him crowing. Old Stiff loved nothing better than to go to a house where there was a party indoors. All the wooden shoes of the twenty or thirty people within, men and women, girls and boys, would be left outside the door. All good Dutch folks step out of their heavy timber shoes or clomps before they enter a house. It is always a curious sight at a country church or gathering of people at a party to see the clomps, big and little, belonging to baby boys and girls and to the big men who wear a number 13 shoe of wood. One wonders how each one of the owners knows his own, but he does. Each pair is put in its own place, but Old Stiff would come mix them all up together and then leave them in a pile. So when the people came out to go home, they had a terrible time in finding and sorting out their own shoes. Often they scolded each other, or some innocent boy was blamed for the mischief. Some did not find out till the next day that they had on one foot of their own and on another foot their neighbor's shoe. It usually took a week to get the clomp sorted out, exchanged the proper feet into the right shoes. In this way, which was a special trick with him, this naughty elf stiff spoiled the temper of many people. 
Beside the meadow elves, there were other kinds in elfin land, some living in the woods, some in the sand dunes. But those called stalkars, or elves of the stall, were Old Stiff's particular friends. These lived in stables and among the cows. The moss maidens that could do anything with leaves, even turning them into money, helped Stiff for they too liked mischief. They teased men folks and enjoyed nothing better than misleading the stupid fellows that fuddled their brains with too much liquor. Stiff's especially famous trick was played on misers. It was this. When he heard of any old fellow who wanted to save the cost of candles, he would get a cabotur to lead him off in the swamps, where the sooty elves come out on dark nights to dance. Hoping to catch these lights and use them for candles, the mean fellow would find himself in a swamp full of water and chilled to the marrow. Then the cabotters would laugh loudly. Old Stiff had the most fun with another stingy fellow, who always scolded children when he found them spending a penny. If he saw a girl buying flowers, or a boy giving a copper coin for a waffle, he talked roughly to them for wasting money. Meeting this miser one day, as he was walking along the brick road, leading from the village, Stiff offered to pay the old man a thousand guilders in exchange for four striped tulips that grew in his garden. The miser, thinking it real silver, eagerly took the money and put it away in his iron strong box. The next night, when he went as he did three times a week, to count and feel and rub and gloat over his cash, there was nothing but leaves in a round form. These, at his touch, crumbled to pieces. The moss maidens laughed uproariously when the mean old fellow was mad about it. But let no one suppose that the elves, because they were smarter than stupid human beings, were always in mischief. No, no, they did indeed have far more intelligence than dull grown folks, lazy boys, or careless girls but many good things they did. They sewed shoes for poor cobblers when they were sick, and made clothes for children when the mother was tired. When they were around, the butter came quick in the churn. When the blue flower of the flax bloomed in Holland, the earth in springtime seemed like the sky. Old Stiff then saw his opportunity to do a good thing. Men thought it a great affair to have even coarse linen tow for clothes. No longer need they hunt the wolf and deer in the forest for their garments. By degrees, they learned to make finer stuff, both linen for clothes and sails for ships. And this fabric they spread out on the grass until the cloth was well bleached. When taken up, it was quite white as the summer clouds that sailed in the blue sky. All the world admired the product, and soon the word Holland was less the name of a country than a dainty fabric 
so snow white that it was fit to robe a queen. The world wanted more and more of it, and the Dutch linen weaver grew rich. Yet still, there was more to come. Now, on one moonlight night in summer, the lady elves, beautiful creatures, dressed in gauze and film, with wings to fly and with feet that made no sound, came down into the meadow for their fairy dances. But when, instead of green grass, they saw a white landscape, they wondered, was it winter? Surely not, for the air was warm. No one shivered or was cold. Yet, there were whole acres as white as snow, while all the old fairy rings, grass and flowers were hidden. They found that the meadows had become bleaching grounds, so that the cows had to go elsewhere to get their dinner, and that this white area was all linen. However, they quickly got over their surprise, for the elves are very quick to notice things. But now that men had stolen a march on them, they asked whether, after all, these human beings had more intelligence than elves. Not one of these fairies but believed that men and women were the inferiors of elves. So then and there began a battle of wits. They have spoiled our dancing floor with their new invention, so we shall have to find another, said the elfin queen who led the party. They are very proud of their linen, these men are, but without the spider to teach them, what could they have done? Even a wild boar can instruct these human beings. Let us show them that we, also, can do even more. I'll get old Stiff to put on his thinking cap. He'll add something new that will make them prouder yet. But we shall get the glory of it, the elves shouted in chorus. Then they left off talking and began their dances, floating in the air until they looked, from a distance, like a wreath of stars. The next day, a procession of lovely elf maidens and mothers waited on Stiff and asked him to devise something that would excel the invention of linen, which, after all, men had learned from the spider. Yes, and they would not have any grain fields if they had not learned from the wild boar, added the elf queen. Old Stiff answered yes, at once to their request, and put on his red thinking cap. Then, some of the girl elves giggled, for they saw that he did really look like a coxcomb. No wonder they called him Hanningham, said one elf girl to the other. Now Old Stiff enjoyed fooling just for the fun of it, and he taught all the younger elves that those who did the most work with their hands and head would have the most fun when they were old. First of all, he went at once to see Fro, the spirit of the golden sunshine and the warm summer showers, who owned two of the most wonderful things in the world. One was his sword, which, as soon as it was drawn out of its sheath against wicked enemies, fought of its own accord and won every battle. Fro's chief enemies were the frost giants, who wilted the flowers and blasted the plants useful to man. 
Fro was absent when Stiff came, but his wife promised he would come next day, which he did. He was happy to meet all the elves and fairies, and they, in turn, joyfully did whatever he told them. Fro knew all the secrets of the grain fields, for he could see what was in every kernel of both the stalks and the ripe ears. He arrived in a golden chariot, drawn by his wild boar, which served him instead of a horse. Both chariot and boar drove over the tops of the ears of wheat and faster than the wind. The boar was named Gullen, or Golden Bristles because of its sunshiny color and splendor. In this chariot, Fro had specimens of all the grains, fruits and vegetables known to man, from which Stiff could choose. For these, he was accustomed to scatter over the earth. When Stiff told him just what he wanted to do, Fro picked out a sheaf of wheat and whispered a secret in his ear. Then, he drove away in a burst of golden glory, which dazzled even the elves that loved the bright sunshine. These elves were always glad to see the golden chariot coming or passing by. Stiff also summoned to his aid the cabotors, and from these ugly little fellows, got some useful hints. For they dwelling in the dark caverns, know many secrets which men used to name alchemy, and which they now call chemistry. Then, Stiff fenced himself off from all intruders, on the top of a bright sunny hilltop, with his thinking cap on, and made experiments for seven days. No elves except his servants were allowed to see him. At the end of the week, still keeping his secret, and having instructed a dozen or so of the elf girls in his new art, he invited all the elves in the low countries to come to a great exhibition which he intended to give. What a funny show it was! On one long bench were half a dozen washtubs, and on a table nearby were a dozen more washtubs, and on a longer table not far away were six ironing boards with smoothing irons. A stove made hot with peat fire was to heat the irons. Behind the tubs and tables stood the twelve elf maidens, all arrayed in shining white garments and caps as spotless as snow. One might almost think they were white elves of the meadow and not cabotors of the mines. The wonder was that their linen clothes were not only as dainty as stars, but they glistened, as if they had laid on the ground during a hoar frost. Yet, it was still warm summer. Nothing had frozen or melted, and the rosy-faced elf maidens were as dry as an ivory fan. Yet, they resembled the lilies of the garden when pearly with dewdrops. When all were gathered together, Old Stiff called for some of the company, who had come from afar, to take off their dusty and travel-stained linen garments and give them to him. These passed over to the trained girls waiting to receive them. 
In a jiffy, they were washed, wrung out, rinsed, and dried. It was noticed that those elf maidens, who were standing at the last tub, were intently expecting to do something great, while those five elf maids at the table took off the hot irons from the stove. They touched the bottoms of the flat irons with a drop of water to see if it rolled off hissing. They kept their eyes fixed on Stiff, who now came forward before all and said in a loud voice, Elves and fairies, moss maidens and stall sprites, one and all, behold our invention, which our great friend Fro and our no less helpful friends the Cabotors have helped me to produce. Now watch me to prove its virtues. Forthwith, he produced before all a glistening substance partly in powder and partly in square lumps as white as chalk. He easily broke up a handful under his fingers and flung it into the fifth tub which had hot water in it. After dipping the washed garments in the white gummy mass, he took them up, wrung them out, dried them with his breath, and then handed them to the elf ironers. In a few moments, these held up before the company, what a few minutes before had only been dusty and stained clothes. Now they were white and resplendent. No fuller's earth could have bleached them thus, nor added so glistening a surface. It was starch, a new thing for clothes. The fairies, one and all, clapped their hands in delight. What shall we name it, modestly asked Stiff of the oldest gnome present. Hereafter, we shall call you Stiff Stirk, Stiff Starch. They all laughed. Very quickly did the Dutch folks, men and women, hear and make use of the elves' invention. Their linen closets now looked like piles of snow. All over the low countries, women made caps in new fashions of lace or plain linen, with horns and wings, flaps and crimps with quilling, and with whirligigs. Soon, in every town, one could read the sign, Hire Mangled Men, Here We Do Ironing. In time, kings, queens, and nobles made huge ruffs, often so big that their necks were invisible, and their heads nearly lost from sight, in rings of quilled linen or of lace, that stuck out a foot or so. Worldly people dyed their starch yellow, Zealous folk made it blue, but moderate people kept it snowy white. Starch added money and riches to the nation. King's treasuries became fat with money gained by taxes, laid on ruffs, and on the cargoes of starch, which was now imported by the shipload, or made on the spot in many countries. So out of the ancient grain, came a new spirit that worked for sweetness and beauty, cleanliness and health. From a useful substance as old as Egypt was born a fine art that added to the sum of the world's wealth and pleasure. 
Thank you all for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. If you found the show helpful and want to make sure it's around for others to enjoy, please go to KnoxBedtimeStories.com and click the Patreon button. There are various rewards and it ensures that the show will be here every Monday for a long time to come. I wish you all a good night's sleep and a happy peaceful life. May the best of your todays be the worst of your tomorrows. Good night.